Our reading for this morning comes from the book of uh, Philippians, chapter 4, and I'm reading from verse 1. Philippians, chapter 4, and reading from verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with you, your dear, and I plead with Sintishi to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Well, as we gather together to, uh, to remember the magnificent sacrifice that so many people made, uh, we also need to not just remember the people and the sacrifice that they made, but what they were trying to do. Because in going to war and in fighting for this country, what they were trying to do is actually bring about peace. They thought and they, some lost their lives so that we could live in relative peace and harmony. And so this morning as we look into this passage in Philippians chapter 4, one of the things I think Paul is trying to do is call a ceasefire. A ceasefire. Of course a ceasefire happens when... Two countries, two parties, two people who are at war uh, come to some sort of agreement to stop fighting. Uh, famously, in the First World War, uh, during Christmas on Christmas Day, uh, whether this is true or legend or not, I don't know. But it's said that the soldiers stopped fighting in an agreed ceasefire and played a game of football. Uh, But sadly, the next day, they went back to fighting one another. Well, I think Paul in this passage is looking for a ceasefire, uh, the search for a lasting peace. A peace that isn't just momentary. A peace that isn't just here today and gone tomorrow, but a peace that lasts. And this morning, I want to just look at some of these uh, verses in this passage in the hope that we can find this peace that Paul is talking about. And the hope is if we find this peace, then others too might find this peace 
And that we might be a more peaceful people. And that the world that we live in might be more peaceful. And that that might have an effect in our community, but also in our world. And so, we're looking for peace. We're looking for peace as we remember those who died in the search of peace. And the first thing that I want to say is that Paul seems to be talking about making peace with our enemies. Making peace with our enemies. Paul is writing to this church and it seems uh, that there's been some sort of fallout between two of the women in the church. And Paul says, I plead with you, Udia, and I plead with you, Sinchiti, to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellows, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. The first thing Paul suggests we should do is make peace with those that we've fallen out with. And it's interesting to see uh, what Paul uh, does say and what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, look, I'm the, I'm the chief apostle here, I'm, I'm over you, and so you must uh, come to a peaceable uh, solution to your arguments. He doesn't enforce peace, he pleads with them. He pleads with them. Notice also that Paul doesn't take sides. Very often when there's a a fallout, there's a temptation to want to take sides, to say that this person's right and that person is wrong. And of course, uh, the wars that that continue to happen, sadly, since uh, the end of World War II, very often our governments, you know, they try to convince us that this is a just war and that we're on the right side and that the other people are in the wrong Well, Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't take sides. Uh, He pleads with them to agree with each other in the Lord. But what he does do is he involves other people. Uh, Loyal yoke fellow. That's not somebody's name. That's obviously somebody who was, uh, who was a loyal person to Paul, by the way. There's some strange names in the, in the, in the Bible. We've read a couple of them this morning or attempted to, uh, but this is, this is a nameless person. But he, he asked them to, to get involved and also he asked Clement and the rest of his fellow workers to be involved in this peacemaking process. So it's a process that All the church shall be involved in. Very often what happens when people fall out, when people have disagreements, is they become isolated. And Paul says, no, we are in the business of bringing people together. And of course, in the in the larger world, the reason why wars happen is because uh, people or groups of people or countries of people or sections of people within society cannot agree with one another. They can't sit around the table and meet together and so they end up fighting. And sadly, uh, that is an only too familiar sight in the world that we live in. So Paul, uh, first of all, he talks about making peace with our enemies. It is our duty, our responsibility to be a people of peace. 
A people that are always trying to make peace with one another in small situations but also in the larger situations. Jesus um, himself said in, uh, in, in that wonderful passage in Matthew chapter 5, you know, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. There's something about peacemaking that is a godly act because God came to make peace with humankind. And so, making peace with our enemies. And then secondly, and this might seem a bit of a strange one, uh, Paul talks about making peace with ourselves. And you might be sat there saying, I'm not at war with myself. Uh, what are you talking about? Um, but actually, sometimes one of the things that many people don't have is peace. The psalmist often talks about, uh, you know, being laying on, on his bed at night, not being able to sleep. I wonder how many people at night time, you know, when you go to bed and uh, supposedly rest, all the thoughts and anxieties come into your mind and you find sleep difficult. Paul talks about making peace with ourselves. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, in his book on, on this passage, which he calls The Life of Peace, he says this. He says, it's one thing to say that you subscribe to the Christian faith. It's one thing having read your Bible and extracted its doctrine. But it's not always exactly the same thing to find that faith triumphant and victorious and maintaining you in the state of joy when everything seems to have gone against you and has well nigh driven you to despair. Some of us know what that's like. Uh, what is your faith worth at that point? Does it differentiate you from people who have no faith? What he's saying there is it's okay to believe certain things, um, but if that belief doesn't actually find its way into how we live our lives, then those sets of beliefs and doctrine that we say that are so important to us, if they don't transform the way that, they are, that we live, and we're actually no different from anybody else and people that don't have faith, then what's the point? Making peace with ourselves. Sometimes we can read and we can claim the promises of scripture and we can say the right things but our body's language gives it away that we are actually not at peace. And I wonder how many people walked through this door, the doors of the church this morning and uh, you are far from peace. You're full of anxieties, maybe the worries about friends, loved ones, maybe worrying about the situation in the world. Maybe worry about children. Maybe worried about health issues, about employment. Maybe worried because you are uh, a relationship you're in has broken down or there isn't a right relationship between somebody that you really care about. And you have anything but peace in your life at this moment in time. And Paul says in this passage that we need to make peace with ourselves. And it seems to me that he gives a kind of 
uh, a peace plan, if you like. This is Paul's peace plan for making peace with ourselves. There are things that we can do that will help us to find peace in our own being. Prayer. Paul talks about not being anxious about anything, which is easy to say, isn't it? But not easy to actually live. Hands up if you're a bit of a worrier. Have you a tendency to, to worry about things? You know, what, what, what do we actually do when we worry? What, what's the process we go through? Anybody? <laughs> exactly. You keep you keep focusing on whatever it is that you're anxious about. It's actually the same process as praying, because you're meditating on something. But when we're anxious and worrying, we're meditating, we're on things that trouble us. And what Paul says, he says, "Don't be anxious, but pray." Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Notice he starts uh, that section by saying, rejoice in the Lord. And when the Bible talks about rejoicing and joy, it's not talking about the same sort of joy and rejoicing we see, you know, when our team scores a goal in a football ground. It's not that sort of rejoicing that Paul is talking about. He's talking about A joy in the Lord that is not dependent on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We might have very good reason to be anxious or worried, but Paul says instead of being anxious and worried, why not pray about it? Why not bring these anxieties and worries before God in petitions and requests? But don't forget to be thankful. Don't forget to be thankful. Because whatever's going on in our lives... There's always something that we can be thankful about. Later on in the passage he talks about, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, if anything is exactly and praiseworthy, think on these things. And think about how many things we have to be thankful for before we bring our requests and petitions before God. Let's be thankful And so you might say, well, I can't rejoice because of my circumstances. But the Bible doesn't ask you to rejoice in your circumstances or about your circumstances. It asks you to rejoice in what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. So, praying is one way that we find peace with ourselves instead of being anxious. What we think about, what we focus on, If we focus on the good things that God has done for us and that God continues to do for us, we won't be quite as anxious. Paul, it would seem, has found a place uh, simply too blessed to be stressed. He's got his morning cup of coffee. Uh, What a great place to be. Uh, And he says, in any circumstances, this is a little bit later in chapter 4, we didn't read this, in any circumstances, I've learned the secrets of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. And what we might not always remember is that the circumstances that Paul is writing this letter, is he's writing this letter from prison. This is one of Paul's prison epistles. He's actually in prison when he's writing this letter. So when he says rejoice, 
He's not rejoicing in the fact that he's being locked away in prison because of his beliefs and faith. He's rejoicing in the fact that he's in Christ Jesus. And he's learned this contentment. That circumstances, whether good or bad, does not prevent him finding that peace in Christ Jesus. I wonder whether we can say that this morning. That we are at peace. That we have peace of mind. Very often people give me a piece of their mind, uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's a different spelling, I believe. Uh, the children would have helped me out on that one. But we're talking about a peace of mind that comes from God, from knowing God. And so making peace with ourselves is important. And then finally, and this is really the key thing, the remedy to everything that I've said before this about making peace with our enemies, about making peace with ourselves. We can only do that by making peace with God. In this wonderful passage, it's a sort of passage that people stick on their refrigerators and, and hang on their walls. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Paul talks about a peace that transcends our understanding. Uh, because we might not fully understand it, doesn't mean that we can't have it. Because we don't fully understand what the peace of God is, doesn't mean that we can't attain it. Doesn't mean that we can't have it. Again, Martin Lloyd joins in, in the book Life of Peace. He says, peace is the whole meaning of the gospel. Peace with ourselves peace with others, and such peace can only be received as a result of the grace of Jesus. The search for peace goes on. But the problem is most people are looking in the wrong place for it. We will only find peace with others and with ourselves when we find peace with God. Because he is our creator. He created us for a relationship with him. Making peace with God will lead us into a place where we can have peace with our enemies and where we can find peace with ourselves. Tom Wright, the uh, Church of England theologian, says, Where does the peace of God come from? Why from the God of peace? Get to know one and you will have the other. Get to know one and you will have the other. Again, reinforcing this idea that we find peace in God through a relationship with God. Making peace with our God. And of course, Paul writes elsewhere in, Rome, in the letters to the Romans, says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace of God only comes through Jesus and through a relationship with Jesus. In the passage that we read, it said all the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. The peace with God is found through Christ Jesus. What was it that Jesus said after he'd been uh, crucified and rose again and when he walked into the doors through the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you I like what Max Lucado uh, writes about that incident 
in his book, He Chose the Nails. He says this, he said, The betrayed sought his betrayers. And what did he say to them? Not, what a bunch of flops you are. Not, I told you so. There was no, where were you when I needed you speech. No, his first words were just one simple phrase. Peace be with you. The very thing that they didn't have was the very thing that he offered. Peace. And he still offers it to us today. If peace is the very thing that you don't have at this moment in time, then there is an offer that Jesus presents to us. And that offer is of peace. That we can come into a relationship with God through Jesus. And we will find peace. That doesn't mean all our troubles will disappear. It doesn't mean all our problems will suddenly be whisked away. What it means is amongst those problems, in those times of despair we will have an inner peace in knowing that God has not forsaken us. That God has not rejected us. That God is with us. And that God will never leave us. And at the moment when the disciples were in despair, when they thought everything was lost, when they thought they'd completely blown it, Jesus walks into the room and he says, Peace be with you. So making peace with our God. It's what God wants us to do. It's the reason why he sent Jesus. We live in a world that is still fighting. We live in a world where war continues to kill and to devastate and destroy. And we can be that people of peace. We can be peacemakers in a world at war. A world at war with itself, a world at war with others. And a world very often at war with God. Making peace with our enemies is what Jesus calls us to do. Making peace with ourselves is what Paul says is possible. And making peace with God is what he sent Jesus into the world for. Let's spend a few